2: Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash business growth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast continues to gain recognition as a great resource for business leaders, and aspiring entrepreneurs. Uh, This is really because of the guests. These are folks who join me to have a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. And you get to take that expertise and take it into your business and do better things. Today, my guest is Ashley Michike. Ashley is the CEO of True North Retirement Advisors, an independent financial advisory firm managing $230 million in client assets and located just outside of Portland, Oregon. It's a family business that she owns with her father. Ashley specializes in helping small business owners exit their business and retire with financial security by crafting and implementing a custom-designed exit plan. Thanks so much for joining me today, Ashley.
3: Thanks for having me, Diane. It's really a pleasure to be here.
2: I am thrilled to be having this conversation. We're going to be talking about uh, exiting with uh, financial security, which I think is is probably what stops most people from even thinking about exiting their business because they don't think they're going to be uh, financially secure. Um, Will you talk to some about why valuing your business is really the first step to a successful exit?
3: Yes, that's a great first question, Diane. So um, in the exit planning process that we take our clients through, the very first step is valuing your business. And that's very intentional. Actually, other exit planning advisors or people in, in this industry who also do exit planning may disagree with me on this, but I actually believe strongly that we have to take inventory of where we are right now. And it's kind of like, uh, when you value your business, it's kind of like putting in your current location on your GPS. You have to tell the GPS where you are if you expect it to give you turn-by-turn directions to where you wanna go. So that's what valuing the business does. And so few business owners know what their business is actually worth Um, there was a study done by the business exit institute about three years ago that found that only two percent of business owners know what their business is worth and 98 percent of us don't yeah so most people don't and i find that it it's it can really create some roadblocks if you're serious about wanting to plan your exit because so many of the future steps that need to happen to ensure a successful exit are based on what the business is worth. Um, so it's a hugely important first step, but I, for a lot of reasons, I think business owners just don't take the time uh, to to value their business or they rely on a rule of thumb or you know what their friendly competitor down the street sold their business for that's similar in size and they're just like, oh, that's good enough. I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I can't imagine that working well. But <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Okay. So if I'm a business owner and I realize that I need to you know, be thinking about what, how I'm going to exit this business, uh, what are the steps that I need to take to be able to do it successfully?
3: Yeah, so the high-level steps are, number one, valuing your business then once you've done that, it's important to establish your timeline and your goals. So how are you involved in the business today? How do you you want to be involved in the future? What does that timeline look like? You know, one of the beauties of being an entrepreneur is that for most Americans who aren't business owners, you go from working 40 hours a week to being full-time retired. So full-time working, retirement date, full-time retired and that's a difficult transition and um, you know a lot of people become bored and depressed and and so the one of the great things about being a business owner is that you can gradually step away from your business um, in a lot of circumstances and a good exit plan will help uh, business owners to do that and then alongside of that with the timeline is establishing your goals Um, And this is really important because a lot of business owners, you know, they're so focused on running the business, growing the business and a lot of times they just don't think about the exit until they're pretty much done. They're like, I want to yeah. leave yesterday. But if you think about these things in advance and you have more runway to do some planning, you can really ensure that your goals are met. So, do you want the business to remain in the community? Is it important that the company culture and your employees stick around? Um, you know, who is your ideal successor? So will you need to sell the business? Like, do you have to sell the business financially in order to, um, be successful in the next stage of your life? Or, uh, you know, can you, do you not need, you know, to extract a million dollars from your business at your exit? So all of those factors, financial and non-financial really, um, help guide where that exit path ends up going. Um and then the next step that we do before we create the this is the last step before we actually create the exit plan and that is um discovering if there's a gap so if you take your the value of your business what it's worth today and then you combine that with all of your other financial resources is that pot going to be enough to provide income and stability for The rest of your life, assuming you're going to retire. So, you know, if or or whatever that next phase is, is that going to be enough for you to justify leaving? Because if there is a gap, if there's no gap, then things are a little bit easier. But if there is a gap, then now we have to part of the exit plan has to be closing that gap. And so we will need to do some things to either grow the value of the business or grow the value of the assets outside of the business, if you know, depending on what levers we can pull there. Um, And then the next step is creating the exit plan. So this takes all the inputs, the value of the business, what the timeline, the goals, you know, who that ideal successor is, and then we put it all into writing and create a first iteration of what that exit path will look like and the steps that we do and the priorities we do, because there's a thousand things that you could do to exit your business, to, to, to plan for that and to prepare and make sure that you know, you get exactly what you want, but we can't do everything. So we have to do the things that are going to have the most impact. And the exit plan really helps focus on here are the things that we're going to focus on that are going to have the most impact in helping you transition out successfully. Okay. So I, I
2: this is so clear to me. I, I love this because I think part of the reason, it's my opinion, the part of the reason that business owners don't necessarily think about this is because it feels really big and it feels uh, like a lot of unknown. And so I, I really like this, that there's a process to it and thinking about the goals and then um, that whole, you know, identifying gaps. Cause that was going to be, you know, an- another one of my questions that, Oh my gosh, what if you go through, okay, here are my goals and here's where the business is and they don't jive. What, huh, th- then you know where are you so i i like that that it's just once you know the information then you can do something with it
3: like exactly. you got to find out yeah yeah, see a lot of business owners and people in general. I mean, this is kind of how we're wired as humans. We kind of bury our head in the sand and we don't want to think about it. But if you if you face your fear or you know actually face up to okay, I need my business to be worth X and it's not worth X right now. At least I know how big that gap is, because now I can work on closing the gap. And without that knowledge, we're just kind of stuck and, you know, throwing stuff against the wall and hoping that it sticks.
2: Right. And then if you think it's worth something, and so you don't do any of this and you think it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And then you get to that point and it's not, you've spent all that time not planning for it.
3: Right. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of times I think business owners don't realize, a, a the, well, the time to start planning your exit, frankly, is when you start your business, you know, begin with the end in mind. Yeah. Now, most of us don't do that. And it's not practical to do that either because there's so many other things to focus on. Yeah. But from an exit planning perspective, I mean, that would be ideal. But really, I see a lot of owners who they're like six months, a year from, wanting to exit or they've been wanting out for two years because that fire is just gone. They're exhausted, they're burned out. So the time to start this process is really about five to 10 years away from when you think you're gonna wanna slow down or exit because then you give yourself the most time uh, to implement uh, some of these things, especially if you need to, if there is a gap and we need to close that gap
2: that makes sense
3: what happens
2: if someone doesn't
3: have a successor
1: or doesn't have a
2: successor in mind
3: uh yes that is that is very common it's it's worrisome too Uh because even if you sell so it's Obviously, we want a successor if we were going to transfer to an insider, so another, a family member or a key employee. Most businesses, I just read the other day that like two-thirds of businesses are transferred to an insider, um, so it's the most common method, and then there's a lot of third-party transfers too, so I think a lot of people are mistaken in thinking that, oh, I don't need to identify a successor internally if I'm going to sell my business. That that's not important, but it is, because most of the time when somebody buys your business, they're gonna to wanna to see a management team or this continuity of the people in place to make sure that the business is going to continue to be successful. And so regardless of who you wanna sell your business to, it is important to identify a successor and to be able to replace yourself. I think any good exit plan is one of the key elements of that is replacing the owner. We want to make the owner irrelevant (laughs) and a good exit plan will do that. And that's hard for a lot of owners because the business is their baby. And uh, sometimes, especially in a very small business or when there's just one owner, like the business is you. And so we have to replace you um, in order to help ensure a successful exit. And also, you know, from a continuity standpoint too, like it, I had a client, actually the catalyst for um, moving into exit planning. I, I came into exit planning through um, 401k consulting, which is what my my first background and expertise was. And so I worked with a lot of small business owners and I managed their 401k plans. And I had back in 2013, I was working with a, a business. There was about 50 people and it was a third generation family business. And the owner suddenly died of a heart attack Ooh. and he was only in his fifties. Wow. And then, um, and it was kind of interesting because I watched this from afar and, you know, I wasn't involved. I had never had a conversation with him ever about exit planning. And so I never asked him these questions like, hey, what if something, what, what happens to your business if something happens to you? So what ended up happening is his wife came in to run the business. He had a couple of people that were capable, like he had a good finance person who could kind of manage that aspect of the business, but he pretty much did everything. He had all the relationships with the vendors and the customers and the business revolved around him. And so his grieving wife came in to run the business. She had no experience either working in the business, no experience in the industry. I think she was like a retired school teacher. And she came in to try to, you know, save this business. And what ended up happening is they limped along for about two years before they sold the business, it, it was like a fire sale. I mean, the, they, they sold the wow. business for so much less than what it was worth to a competitor on the East Coast who uh, all they wanted was the, uh, the the actual, it was a manufacturing company. So all they wanted was this manufacturing product and the, and the brand name. And so they eliminated all the office workers and they kept the warehouse and they kept you know, some of the the people in the manufacturing facility around, but I mean, the company was, uh, you know, it it was destroyed basically because of all of it. And if, if the owner had a succession plan, if he had a way, if he had planned for, you know, what happens if something happens to me, will my business continue? Most owners don't want to see that happen to their business, to their employees, to their family, and it was just a very sad situation that could have been prevented.
2: Yeah, no kidding. Ugh. Well, on the one hand, it's a good example of a t- you know, I mean, it's bad, but it, it it it's a pretty stark, I guess I will say, example of what can happen. Yeah. It, it's yeah, boy. Ugh. So what? So so how do I wanna ask this question? What are some things that a business owner can do to grow the value of their business?
3: That's a good question. One of the most common places that we might start would be to look at the customer or the revenue base. A lot of um, businesses have some key relationships or key sources of revenue. And so a way to grow the value of the business is to diversify that. And I was actually at a, um, at a meeting a couple uh, of weeks ago. It was an entrepreneur's meeting and I was talking to this gal who was sitting next to me who has a couple of businesses. And one of her businesses, she has three clients. And all three of those clients, they're pretty much evenly spread, but each one of those makes up about a third of her revenue. Wow. That, that is not good for value. And it's, a high, it's incredibly risky. And there are a lot of um, businesses out there who have key relationships where one, two, or three of their customers make up um, a huge portion of their revenue. Um, and I remember this was the case for uh, American Express who had like an exclusive card deal with Costco And then costco decided that they you know they they didn't renegotiate that contract and it was a hit to american express so small businesses and big businesses alike are vulnerable to that so even though you know you have these few key relationships that you want to continue to nurture it's very important that uh you, you go out and diversify that um one of the examples that I use all the time that I think also applies to a variety of businesses is I, I use a dental practice a lot when I give talks and I talk about, you know, how to grow the value of your business because most people understand how dental practice works. It's a fairly straightforward business model, but um, dental practices who that are dependent on insurance reimbursements, those types of practices are going to be less attractive from a valuation standpoint than for service where you have more cash paying clientele so one of the things that a dental practice could do or any business is how do I incentivize you know more of my patients to pay in cash or how do I diversify my revenue base so I'm not just relying on one type of revenue but I have different sources coming in and and diversifying either your customer or your revenue base is one of those areas where it takes some time uh, sometimes but it it really can help drive the value higher if you're able to do that because the risk is less and it's going to be much more attractive to both an insider, but especially a third party as well. Um, if they see a diversified revenue base,
2: that makes a ton of sense to me that and, and, and having a deeper foundation of clients. So you're not, you know, counting on a few, to, to be all of your revenue that, that I wouldn't have, I mean, it's interesting. I wouldn't have thought that a dental practice wouldn't be as valuable, you know, because of insurance payment that, I mean, which points out that I think there are so much, so many things we don't know about what makes a business valuable or what decreases its value that we, right. We really need to be doing the exercise because yeah. we we
3: we think it's valuable but
2: that doesn't mean someone else is going to
3: well most small business owners are you know they're experts at they go to school for yeah. engineering or dentistry or right. you know and they don't yeah. go to school they might take a couple of classes you know basics on but there's only so much you can address in, in that yeah. so it's it's important to and that's why you know a lot of business owners who understand the value of outside advice whether that's an attorney uh, you know a CPA or or a, an exit planning advisor like myself you know those those people who are good are worth their weight in gold because they can stop you from you know stepping on a bunch of landmines over the life of your business
1: right.
3: so you know I always cry a little bit when we write checks to our attorney but in the back of my mind I know that it's <laughs> worth every penny <laughs> They keep
2: you out of jail. That's all I'm saying.
3: <laughs> well, when we started True North, um, I remember we had, there was a lot of legal things that we needed to set up right away. So, I mean, I was writing big checks, and we didn't have, even have any revenue coming in the door. And so it was just like, why? Why? But, you know, it's, it's crucial. You, you need those yeah. people. And a good one is worth their weight in gold, especially one that could either save you a bunch of money or turn you on to something that you wouldn't have ever thought of on your own. So. Yeah, for
2: sure. I think that, that is huge. Uh, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break, and then I have some more questions for Yale. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com/businessgrowth you get one free audiobook and a 1 month trial of the service some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are the power of positive coaching by lee kelland and leading loyalty by lena Renee. so visit audibletrial.com/businessgrowth explore the books that are of interest to you and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial Today, we're speaking with Ashley Mitchike about exiting your business with financial security. So um, one of the things that I would really like to talk about here is um, family and uh, the family dynamic and, and why it seems to be, I mean, it, it's sort of like an issue when you're running your business, you know, if it's a family business. Uh, but can really be an issue when you're preparing to exit your business. And, and I'm curious about why that is and what business owners can do to mitigate some of that.
3: That's a great question, Diane. So one of, the, one of the questions I always ask when we're in that second step of establishing the timeline and the goals is, are there family considerations? And that is a trick question. Uh, because there are always family considerations. And there's a lot of landmines to avoid if you want your kids and your spouse to keep talking to you after you exit <laughs> your business. So, and, and there's a lot of, so every family business is different. Family businesses are very common. Very few of them, I think like 3% or something, last to the third generation. Um, oh, wow. So, you know, and especially when it's a family business, that legacy and, uh, it's just, you know, it's so much a part, the business is usually a part, a big part of that family culture as well, and so it's especially sad if, you know, the business ends up failing at some point in in a family situation, but it does happen, and it happens quite a bit, Um, so there's a couple of things that, well, well, there's a couple of major considerations. One is, if, let's say you're you're the owner and you're in your, you know, 50s or 60s, and you've brought in one of your children who you've identified as a successor. But maybe along the way, they, or maybe you've even made promises to this person. So now they're ex- expecting something, but maybe along the way as they become more and more involved in the business, they're either finding or you're finding that it's not a match. Uh, you know, as much as entrepreneurship is glorified in our culture, um, it takes a very special person okay. um, to be an entrepreneur because it's hard. And, yeah. you know, you have to have a certain risk tolerance. And, you know, there's just, I have an entrepreneur friend of mine who likened running a business to a, a dumpster fire because <laughs> there's just, So much. And everybody else who had any sense has long ran away, but you're out there like with a garden hose trying to put out the dumpster fire all the time. So there's a lot of headaches. And, um, you know, most people, they don't necessarily want to lay lay awake at night, you know, and worrying about these aspects of the business that you don't worry about when you're an employee. So there's, there's that. And you know, we want to make sure that we're identifying the ideal successor. We don't want to set up the future successor, whether it be family or otherwise, we don't want to set them up for failure. So um, you know, it's hugely important to really consider if this person that I've identified is a right is the best match or, you know, maybe, and then there's the other aspect too. So let's say I have one child who's active in the business and let's say that that person truly is a good fit and that's who I'm going to transfer the business to. And they're going to be the new owner when I exit. How do I take care of the other two kids that I have that are outside of the business? And how do I be fair to all three of them? Because like, like I work with my father, we, we jointly own true North. I have a sister who doesn't work in the business. I've I've put ten I put twelve years, blood, sweat, and tears, and all kinds of things into this business. So, you know, a lot of times there's these childhood hurts that can resurface, and you know, favoritism. And so, for most parents, it's important that it's not necessarily equality because that's difficult to achieve. But there's also you know there, there's the aspect of fairness most parents you know they want to be fair to all of their kids and and what fair actually means is going to be different in every circumstance so and it's very important too to involve you know your spouse early on because they always have opinions and you'd hate to get far along down this process and then the and then the spouse comes in and says "Uh, (laughs) no 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 we're not doing that
2: so no kidding
3: Communication is essential. Um, and then the other thing, other than just the family dynamics and all the emotional baggage that comes along with that, is that most family members, whether they you know, be children or otherwise, or even most insiders, even if it's a key employee, a lot of times they don't have the money to, to pay you, especially if your business is worth, you know, a million, three million, ten million. You know, your your successor doesn't just have you know, millions of dollars to pay cash or even to buy a small stake in the business. So there's some additional creativity that's involved in transferring ownership when the successor owner doesn't have deep pockets. Oh, yeah. And that takes time. It usually takes time. Um, And so that's another reason why we want to plan in advance because, you know, if you're going to if you're going to transfer maybe an initial 10, 20% stake in the business, and you're going to gradually transition more and more of that ownership. Um, you know, a lot of times it, it takes time to do that, especially if there are promissory notes involved that need to get repaid. Cause again, we, we need the current owner to, to exit with the financial security that they need and um, not gift the business away at the expense of, of, robbing themselves of their own financial well-being
2: yeah it's not the kind of thing that you want to try and do six months before you're ready to move on
3: right it's right it's too short yeah yeah yeah. You can't, yeah especially if the business has a lot of value it's very challenging um to to transfer to an insider in less than several years typically yeah
2: yeah and And you said something a minute ago about um, you know how important communication is, at which I totally agree with, and I think we don't communicate anywhere near as much as we should. But I would think in from from the minute you start going through the process of thinking about an exit strategy, you should be communicating with everyone who is impacted by that and do it consistently so that they aren't wondering what's going on when they see people come into your office and, you know, in suits or whatever. I I think that could be really dangerous.
3: Yeah. And there, that's a really delicate balance too, because sometimes especially in, in certain circumstances, especially in a third party sale, you know, you don't want to let the cat out of the bag in certain circumstances. So you want to be careful about what you say and to whom and when. And um, usually, you know, the, the attorney or the exit planning advisor can give some guidance about when you might want to share things and what. Um, You definitely don't want people to be surprised, like, hey, we're selling the business tomorrow, here's your new boss. Um, So, but it's interesting, because you know, I think an important question that a lot of owners don't ask, especially if they've identified an internal successor, mm-hmm. just going to that person and saying, do you want this? Do you want to be an owner? Yeah. And that goes back to the communication because I think there's just a lot of assumptions. Like, like it was funny because um, w- when I was five years old, I used to Tag along. Like sometimes, if my dad, my mom was out of town or something, my dad had to, would like pick me up, uh, or you know, from preschool or kindergarten or whatever. And then he'd, you know, it'd be at like two thirty in the afternoon, and then he'd have to go see a client. So he'd drag me along to the, this client appointment, and then he would introduce me. He'd be like, "This is Ashley. You know, she's going to take over for me someday." and so we just make these assumptions that like our kids are gonna you know run the business after we're gone without ever talking to them and um, so uh, you know family dynamics are just always uh, especially when there's money involved and as anybody who has ever dealt with you know uh, an estate or an inheritance or fighting among family members and siblings I mean it all, it happens so frequently, and um, uh, some some really ugly things can happen. So we want to avoid that as much as possible. And communication is the way to do it. Although most families, you know, we're not perfect, so yeah, <laughs> um, it it can't be mitigated altogether. But in right. in in a fairly, you know, as long if the family's not completely dysfunctional, there's a shot. So.
2: It's so true. And one of the things I was thinking when you were talking is that, that part of the reason why you have to be careful about how you go about it is because you don't want to like forgetting the family for a minute and just talking about the employees. You don't want to lose good employees because they start getting nervous and they don't know what's going on because I would think that would have a negative impact on the value of the business.
3: Oh, absolutely. If you, if you lose, your key people, whether that's one person or, you know, a handful of people in the later stages, like let's say you're selling to a third party and you're pretty far along on that process. You've, you know, part of what's negotiated are are the terms and you know, who's going to stick around and all this stuff. So if you lose your key people two months before this closes, guess what's going to happen? they're going to say um no 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 we're not going to pay you this anymore we're going to require all these other you know handcuffs restrictions or things like that so it can really derail uh an exit plan if your key people leave no matter who you you're selling to um and yeah it, it happens a lot because there is a lot of uncertainty but there are also ways to to mitigate that so one of the more common methods is what's called a stay bonus plan. And so you pay your key people, um, you know, maybe as much as 100% in terms of a bonus of their annual salary, just to stay on for, you know, 12 to 18 months past the close date of the sale of the business. Oh, really?
2: I've never heard of that.
3: Oh, that's great. And you can do that with other things too. So like if, it's it's good for continuity planning so if it's like something if the owner dies or something um you can you can go to your employees and say look we have a plan in place in case something happens to me here's what's going to happen we're, we we want to make sure that the business survives so we're going to give you you know a, this bonus to stick around and not leave for greener pastures uh, for, you know, this specific time period. And that will give us enough time to find a successor or find a third party or, you know, to go. So there are things that you can do as far as incentivizing your employees to stick around through that hmm. process. And like non-qualified deferred compensation plans, those things, there's, there's several things that you can do to incentivize people uh, to stay.
2: That's great. I think that that is is really... Um, valuable information. Now, a thought just popped into my head because I was thinking about an organization that I used to be involved with where we had them set up, I was on the board and we had them set up a succession plan. So it wasn't necessarily an exit plan, but it was in the event something would happen, here's who we need to be grooming. So Mm -hmm. that feels like that somewhat of the same thing and could so you might not even thinking about exiting but you know god forbid something happens unexpected at least you've got some sort of a strategy in place
3: right yeah it's the same thing and even you know even if most business owners if you say hey um what would happen to your business if you know, your, your child or your parent or someone became very ill and you had to step away from the business for a month or two months. Right. You know, you have to have somebody there who, who can run things in your absence because life happens. Uh, so it's, it's yeah. essential for, you know, grooming that next generation owner or key management or whoever could replace you is essential for so many different things, not just selling your business, but just being able to step away if you have to. Um, I talked to a business owner last week. He's working, I mean, the hours didn't even add up because the hours that he was working, I mean, he only slept six hours a night and did nothing else And every other waking moment he was in the business. And you know, when's, when's the last time you took a vacation, even just a couple days off. So he's in the restaurant business, which is notorious for long hours. And (laughs) so, but you know, it's, it's just, it's essential for so many aspects to, to groom a successor and to be able to replace yourself. That's, that's the goal.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right. For so many reasons. Wow. This was so great. I really appreciate you joining me and sharing this information. It's so valuable for these business owners to think about. And, and I appreciate the way that you explained it. Um, that, that's really, um, that I think they can hear, like I could hear it. it. It's not scary. It's not overwhelming. It's but But it's something that start now, right? Start with this, yeah. figuring out what you want to have happen and and who you've got in place and just all those things so you can be prepared and preparing I guess.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, good. The, I've just so much enjoyed our conversation, Diane. This is great.
2: Me too. Will you tell the listeners how they can find you and and anything you've got going on that would be valuable for them?
3: Yes. So one of the things that we make available to all of our clients for free, we actually pay be able to use the software tool, but it's a way to get business owners unstuck in figuring out what their business is worth. So with eight pieces of basic information about your business, and in five minutes with that information, you can figure out what your business is worth. You can get a really good estimate of value. So for anyone who wants to do that, you can go to truenorthra.com forward slash value my business. And there you get uh, the checklist that shows you where to find all those eight pieces of information. You can fill it in, it gives you uh, access to the valuation tool so you can use it. You know, you, before you go to bed tonight, you can figure out what your business is worth <laughs> and not have to pay somebody $10,000 uh, and take four to six weeks to get back to you with what that valuation is. And then you can go back anytime as things change, as you grow the value of the business, and then update the valuation. So it's incredibly useful. and. We make it available for free. We don't charge for this because it is the one thing that I find that is crucial for getting business owners unstuck and helping them move forward down that mm-hmm. path. So um, it, it, again, it's truenorthra.com forward slash value. My business is where they can get all that. And all my other contact information is there as well.
2: That's so great. Well, I'm thank you for offering that to people and, and, I love that, that this this is how they get unstuck. It's so great. It's really. So folks, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Love you to death. Head on over there. (laughs) Go ahead, pull the Band-Aid off, find out because knowledge is power. And that's how then you're going to be able to create a plan and a strategy so that you can exit successfully. And I'd like to thank our sponsor. If you would like to get a free trial of Audible.com as well as a free audience, go to audibletrial.com businessgrowth to sign up. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day.
0: For the one standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgrangercom safety or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.